Hey, Adam. Hey, Chris. Guess what? I don't know what. In The Empire Strikes Back, George Lucas, originally intended for Yoda to be played by a monkey wearing a mask and holding the Jedi Master's signature cane. However, the idea was scrapped over fears that the monkey would hold up production by pulling off its mask too much. Can you imagine? They, I got a picture here. Maybe we'll maybe we'll we'll put it on the Instagram. But can you imagine the green puppet and <laughs> later on the the animated green little dude in the prequels being played by a monkey with a cane? I'm more concerned about what the animated version would be like exactly. in the prequels more so than what he would have done in the original series. <laughs> Do you think he would have had think- the same voice? Uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Like, what if what if he, like, Frank Oz was like, I'm not on board with that. <laughs> and just, like, yeah, man, that's crazy. I, I definitely did not know that. That's pretty fascinating. I didn't fascinating. know that either. Uh, no, I, I can't stop picturing him just jumping around set, hitting people. I know. Now I can't not unknow that. So that's pretty <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, anyway, this is the Oddcast Podcast. Everybody, thank you for tuning in. Welcome to the Oddcast Podcast. I'm Chris. That's Adam. Hey, Adam. Hey, Chris. How's it going, dude? Oh, it's going. It's going. I'm excited about today's show. We be talking Star Wars. That's right. Today. This is uh, honestly, I think when we started planning this whole podcast concept out, I think it was really just a means to get to talking about star wars for two star hours. wars oh yeah yeah uh, and that's exactly what we did um so before we get into that quick correction from last episode quick correction um so the pitcher remember you talked about the perfect game that almost was um yes yep well so fun fact that was actually 10 years ago not five years ago 10 years ago almost to the day uh and the pitcher's name was armando galarraga hmm, i totally okay. butchered his name last time but uh <laughs> anyway he was a pitcher for the D- detroit tigers um jim joyce was the umpire and uh, his I, I actually i forgot this his error his bad call was on the last play of the game so if of he called it the it way was. it was which was an out yeah. then that game would have been over right like right at that play right but then he and called there. it fair yeah. and then galarraga retired the next batter and then the game was over but i i haven't heard if they're if they're still petitioning to make it a an actual perfect game but Hmm. Yeah, I noticed, because um, I was still kind of interested in it, I looked into it a little bit more, um, and I actually realized that our uh, very own Pedro Martinez technically had a perfect game. He went nine innings um, without getting a single batter on base, no hits, no nothing, uh, no walks, and then it went into extra innings. So it was tied 0-0. Yeah, so he had the nine innings, but then it went into extra innings, and he finally let someone on to uh, on base. Oh, so he teched I know. Can you imagine? Like, you're in that zone. You get all the way to the ninth inning, and you can't you, you can't do anything about it. I mean, there's only so much you can do as a pitcher. You know, you got to hope that your offense actually gets – on base and scores yeah. a run <laughs> yeah and, oh god he was so good too like he he should have had because he he didn't end up officially having one did he i can't remember now um no i think the i think the closest most recent Sox player to get close to that was a no hitter by Derek lowe 
No. Ah, or was there a more recent one? Mont oh, Frere. really? Yeah. So, oh, okay. so Clay Buckholz and John Lester have both had uh, no hitters since Derek okay. Lowe's. Oh, okay. Um, but it was well, a there while ago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we are going to jump right into the album of the show, albums of the show, uh, because like mm-hmm. we said, we got a lot of Star Wars to talk about with my buddy Kyle Murray. Uh, so we'll get to that. But first, Adam, what do you got for the album of the show? So my album choice this round is uh, Rebel Bucket's Oversaturated EP. So yes. it's not actually one of their, yeah, it's not one of their full albums. Um, these first two albums, I realize, are like super short. Um, but that will change with these next two albums coming, um, coming your way. But yeah, yeah, this one's only about like 20 minutes. So it's even shorter than, uh, button mashers Mm. first album. But, um, fun fact is that you actually introduced me to rubble bucket. Oh really? And yeah. Oh oh wow. So you don't even remember that? Okay. Well, so... I know I was I was into Rebel Bucket in a big way ever since they yep. played at Keene State, and I caught I caught the last thirty seconds of the last song of their set, um, and I was like, "Who are those guys?" And mm-hmm. they were like Rubble Bucket, like the the guys doing sound, and I was like, "Rubble Bucket." Okay, that's an interesting. All right, Rubble Bucket. And so I mm-hmm. went home that night, and I and I looked up Omega Lala, and I just yeah, man, I played it non-stop for dude for there minutes. are some bangers on oh, yeah. that album yeah what constitutes banger um, um hmm, that's a... bpm <clears throat> who's to say <laughs> yeah yeah tom haverford no um <laughs> but yeah so funny thing about that yeah so they played they played solar fest a bunch and every time that they played I could not be there, and I was so <laughs> pissed because it's it was like a free show basically right. because they were just on campus. Yeah. Um, so I could I, I was I remember the last time they actually played there, I had to go home to do a garage sale in Londonderry for my oh, parents. Man. I was so <laughs> mad. I was like, "You got to be freaking kidding me!" Like the one band that I've wanted to see forever, and I got to just sit there and be like, "Yeah, this Game Boy is like six bucks if you want it." Oh man! This lamp, this lamp is two dollars. Uh, Six dollars for a Game Boy, though. I mean, I, I would drive. Oh, I don't know. I'm just, yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. Oh, but, man. but yeah. So you introduced me. Let's actually get to the music. Holy crap! So you, you introduced <laughs> me to this band, and you gave me a burnt copy of Omega La La, and mm-hmm. just like you, I was like, holy crap, this is amazing! Like, just played it constantly, constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so diverse. I mean, one of the songs is in um, French. And yep. they've got yep. like all these different like crazy sounds, but the oversaturated EP much shorter. Um, I just really enjoy it again because it's so diverse in terms of textures and just kind of the sound that they're producing. I just wish that it was longer. You know what I mean? Out of the whole album, there's five songs, um, and my favorite has to be the last one, which is the Pain From Love reprise. Mm-hmm. So they have a song on the album called Pain From Love, and it's really, really good. Um, very funky, very just like, for the title, like pretty upbeat, you know? Yeah. Um, and the Pain From Love reprise is it's like a minute and a half, and it's just got these like two sections. It's got an A section and a B section, and it just goes back and forth. Um, with this like really deep, heavy funk groove with really cool harmonies and chords playing overneath, and then they just have this like the B section is just this light little waltz, and they're just doing yeah. these like little la la las under it, and it's just 
Oh, it's so nice. Um, Uwa is really good too. It's, That's probably it's... my favorite. That's probably my yeah. favorite on, the, on that one. I love the sound of the drums on that one. It just reminds me of like super eighties like yeah. octagon toms, just like doo, 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 boom. Like it's yeah. yeah, it just it really encap like I just picture like nineteen eighty five like frizzy hair girls, like convertibles <laughs> and like Pepsi. I don't know why, but I just think <laughs> Pepsi. I don't know. Hashtag not a paid sponsor. Correct. <laughs> but overall, it, it's really good. It is literally 20 minutes and 5 seconds. Please give them a listen. Um, all their music's really, really good. But out of their whole discography, if you will, mm. uh, oversaturated. Yeah, you like that? That's oversaturated. <laughs> oversaturated EP is my favorite. Short, sweet. It just hits the nail right on the head. That's great. Yeah, I I I know that album uh well. I know that EP really well. I agree with everything you just said. Definitely check that out. Um all right. So, uh my album of the show is slightly longer and slightly newer. Uh it is called Pedals for Armor by Haley Williams. You might know Haley Williams as the singer of a band called Paramore, which was really big in like the um I don't want to say pop punk and I definitely don't want to say emo, but I mean, they were, they were on the warp tour a bunch, like in the mm-hmm. mid to late two thousands. Um, you know, they had a, they had a very unique, um, I think a very unique style and sound, uh, within that genre. Um, Haley Williams, I think used to have like, like fire red dyed hair and like, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so, but yeah, so, so, um, this is her first solo album. Um, and it is, you know, nothing, nothing against Paramore. I mean, I, I wasn't really into them at the time, but I've since come to like some of their stuff, uh, quite a mm-hmm. bit, but this album is nothing like that. Uh, it's, it's much more songwriter oriented and, uh, but I don't mean like, you know, like her with an acoustic guitar, like that kind of songwriter cliche, but it's very much her own material. It's a lot more, a lot of it's mellow. There's some stuff that's, uh, that's pretty upbeat. Uh, pretty funky, not in like a rubble rubble bucket sense, but a little just I guess more more active, more energy. And there's also some just really beautiful moments. Uh, it's a really uh, introspective album. She talks a lot about um, happy things, sad things. She she's talked about um, her struggles with with, um, with depression a lot, and that's actually in the in the album as well. Um, so it's it's a really interesting blend of. Um, more artistic, maybe less radio friendly stuff. Um, but there, there are also, uh, some, what was the word? Bangers. You used the word bangers. I'm going I'm <laughs> to co-op that. That's, <laughs> there's some bangers on this one too. Uh, yeah, so for sure. it, it just came out, um, May 8th, yo. It was May 8th. You're right. It was less uh, than a month ago. Yeah. I got a right. Yeah. Oh, bingo. There you go. So check that yeah. out. Haley Williams pedals for armor. Uh, Adam ran Chris Robinson. Let's uh, let's not waste any more time. Let's get right to the main event. All right. So today we have a good buddy of mine from UMass Amherst. He's a very talented saxophone player, composer, overall good dude. We have had many conversations about a lot of things in and in a lot of detail but i would say it always ends up going back to star wars like nine times out of ten so joining us today kyle murray kyle how are you good man how about you doing good so so tell us about yourself okay hey i'm gonna tell you about myself so 
I um, I live in uh, the western part of Massachusetts that nobody knows about, um, <laughs> which is uh, basically the New York border. Um, we are long and forgotten over this way. Um, you know, it, western Massachusetts goes past Springfield, despite popular belief. Wait, I'm um, sorry. No, I don't buy that. What? No, that's, no, that's, 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 that's lying. I know this is news <laughs> to a lot of people, but here we are. So, yes, I live in the western part of Massachusetts. Um, I have a, um, I don't know, I'd say an extended uh, amount of time playing saxophone and listening to jazz. And jazz has kind of been, uh, you know, a huge passion of mine for quite some time. Um, I kind of first picked up a saxophone when when I was in high school and kind of got into it. And then I went to school for it. And next thing you know... Uh, I'm doing my master's degree in in a jazz focused area, so um, that's kind of one of the main things of my life that everything is kind of focused around. But Star Wars is a very important part of my life, as you're as going to be. find out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I've I've seen all of the movies. Uh, God. I, I can't. I don't even know how many times I've seen all of them. <laughs> the first time I saw one, though, was probably. Mm, I, I would probably say I was like five or six, with with my dad, because um, we had seen the Phantom Menace, and then he's like, "Hey, we should go watch real Star Wars movie." And we went back home, and <laughs> we he showed me uh, the um, Empire Strikes Back, and from that point, it was kind of just infectious i've been watching them and i wouldn't say obsessed with them i didn't have any action figures or anything like that but i've watched them and i've loved those movies for quite some time and Mm. you know it's uh it's kind of like a like a side passion uh but not necessarily an obsession (laughs) yeah that's good well you know you actually went right into the question that i wanted to use to to kick this whole thing off because i have a theory and it's not groundbreaking you guys can either Tell me if it's <laughs> if it's true in your case or not. But I have a theory that the movies that have the biggest impact on you as a Star Wars fan were the ones that you saw first, and usually at a certain age. Like for for me, I had seen the original trilogy when I was growing up. Like my parents had showed it to me, but uh, I didn't really start getting into it in a big way until Phantom Menace, and specifically uh, the end of the movie with with Obi Wan and. Qui-Gon and Darth Maul, but we'll, we'll get into that. But uh, yeah. that's when it really took off for me. So, Adam, when did you really start getting into it? Like, what, what movie did you see? How old were you? Like, what was, what was your introduction? Yeah, so I'd probably say something very similar to what you just said, Chris. Um, my dad showed me the original trilogy, um, and I was pretty into it. Uh, wasn't really super sure of what I had seen in terms of like, you know, I think I was like maybe six or seven. And I remember specifically, um, watching empire and when Luke is training with Yoda and he goes into the dark cave and he fights the quote unquote Darth Vader when it's really not Darth Vader, but it's Darth Vader and they're <laughs> fighting and he like blasts his helmet off and he sees his own face. I was super confused. And I just remember like 
talking to my dad being like, wait, is he, is he Darth Vader? Is, is he, I'm so confused. My dad's just like, just, just watch it. Just, just watch. And then what, what, like, like I know like now, especially with all the social media, you know, you have like all these people like filming their kids watching the big reveal in that movie. And I'm really probably sure my dad is glad that he didn't capture that moment. Or if he did, he <laughs> way deleted it. Because I don't think I had that, like, perfect, like, eyes gaping, jaw dropping. <laughs> like, I think I was like, oh, oh, okay. I guess that makes sense. So, <clears throat> so, so, started with the trilogy, the original trilogy. Didn't really get much out of it. But I grew up with the prequels um so 99 was phantom menace so i was all of eight eight or nine when it came out Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of like same thing like i didn't really i I never got like the action figures or anything i did get like an r2d2 lego set but (laughs) but but other than that those are the ones that i grew up on um and the ones that i've kind of latched onto, which kind of propelled my enthusiasm for star wars so Ever since then. You know, it's funny because I probably consider both of you to be more well-versed in the canon and the extended universe and all that stuff. But I had the action figures. I had the Legos. I had all that stuff. And it's funny to me to hear that both of you, who I think know more about this stuff than I do, uh, didn't go that far. And now I didn't have the pajamas or the bed sheets or anything, but I definitely had Han. Did you guys have the toy lightsabers, like the, the plastic ones? Oh, yeah. That... Oh, sure. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, we're cool then. We're we're good. We're not plebeians, Chris. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. We're a little cultured here. Yeah. Um. All right. Well. Well. I think when I started, Darth Maul just just blew my mind. I was like, Oh my god, this guy is the baddest dude. And so probably until I really got more into the original trilogy and then then the sequels later on and uh, everything else that's that's come since then. I think Darth Maul was my guy, but Kyle, let's start with you. Who who was who was your guy? Um, without a doubt it was Vader. It wasn't even a question. Yeah. Um, which is probably not like the message that George Lucas was probably going for. But <laughs> um I I was like, This dude is killing. Mm-hmm. I love it. And I just kind of really gravitated towards that and I yeah, definitely Darth Vader for me. Like, I loved Darth Maul as well. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that whole movie sitting in the um, the theater, which I do remember uh, most of, at least, even though that was, like, 22, 23 years ago. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Being like, I don't understand what's happening, what's going right. on, why is there a bipedal toad creature, uh, you know, <laughs> that is That's a big talking word with for, a Jamaican uh... accent. I don't know. For, uh, for a nine-year-old to have. In his, in his <laughs> That's what I thought. That's impressive. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, there's a lot. I just, like, went over my head. I didn't really get, I didn't get the whole political aspect. But when the, um, when that lightsaber fight at the end with dual fates and, you know, every everything that happened at the end with the exception of Anakin Skywalker, you know, force Company his way through uh the federal <laughs> trade ship <laughs> you know it, it was uh i was definitely uh into uh that last part of the movie and i did like qui-gon Jin too but oh, yeah definitely darth vader no doubt mm-hmm. about it all right all right adam how, how about you 
Um, I've never honestly really thought about that question. Although mm-hmm. Kyle, it is pretty funny that you mentioned Darth Vader being like your guy because um, so I have a four-year-old niece who is like the girliest little girl you would ever see. Like stereotypical, like ponytail, like wears like anything and everything she has is like pink or purple or whatever but she loves darth vader she oh yeah <laughs> at, at four years old you know like this kid really has like no concept of like what's going on story-wise but there's there's something about his presence that just like you should just like gravitated towards and so she got this like darth vader bicycle for her birthday this year Sick. Uh, oh yeah, she is all <laughs> about it, which is hilarious. And, and and again, it's just like he's the most menacing, evil person in the original trilogy. And she's just like, yeah, Darth Vader. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Um, in terms of who I kind of gravitated towards, I think I want to say Darth Maul, just because mm-hmm. the dual lightsaber at the time was like nothing anyone had oh, really yeah. ever seen you know yeah. and when he shows that at the end with duel of the fates you're like holy shit like oh, that yeah. is a badass <laughs> weapon that is that was they bitch. they had me the second i saw that in the trailer yeah. i was like what yeah that was <laughs> that was something so unreal um but i don't know i i kind of want to say obi-wan in the prequels not mm-hmm. not original trilogy obi-wan because he's there to sort of just guide luke Right. And be more referencing, like, just the Force as what he can use with it. And, like, how to manipulate the Force and do all that. But in the prequels, he's more engaged. Um, he's more aggressive. Obviously, they're in the middle of the, the Clone Wars and all that. But I, I think it, it's it's his conflict in the sense that my personal opinion is, like, he feels, like, this necessity to train Anakin. And then mm-hmm. it turns into something that... He actually enjoys and then obviously gets crushed at the end as to what path he goes down. So I think just watching that unfold and seeing that development, even though you know it's going to happen, was just something that I sort of enjoyed watching in terms of like, I love character development. I think it's so crucial to making stories excellent and making them so great. Um, So to watch that kind of happen. And Ewan McGregor is just... I mean, he's Ewan McGregor. He's, he, yeah. he's a good-looking dude. Like, he's a good-looking dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, it, you know, oh, yeah. So it was just, it, it was, yeah, I, I'd say prequel Obi-Wan there. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, when I was re-watching it, because, like, I think, like, Kyle did, and I probably, like, Adam did, before 9 came out, I just re-watched all of them just to, Got you know, it. Just to get the whole story down. Yeah, of oh, course. Yeah. And um, when I was watching the prequel trilogy, I... I I kept having this thought in my head that I think Obi-Wan is the only person that knows what the hell is going on. <laughs> it's like, I would not have been surprised throughout the entire prequel trilogy if if there was just a cutscene where Obi-Wan just turns to the camera and says, what the hell? Are these people idiots? Like, what? <laughs> he should have broke know. the fourth wall, honestly. Oh, could you imagine? That would have been great. And Ewan McGregor would have nailed it. But actually, that, that's an interesting point. So my wife hadn't seen all of the original trilogy. Um, okay. But she'd seen the prequels and she'd seen, you know, seven and eight with me uh, because I'm a fanboy and I would drag her to the <laughs> cinema uh, whether or not she wanted to go. Uh, and so when we rewatched it, I wanted to start with the original trilogy because that is where you're going to basically be introduced to the whole storyline. 
and and I respect where she's coming from with this, but she wanted to start from episode one and get the whole story continuity wise. And my issue with that, and I think Adam's on the same page with me, my issue with that is like then episode five, the big revealing moment, I am your father. That's going to mean nothing because you're going to see it coming the whole time. Like, I feel like if you're somebody who somehow has not seen any Star Wars movies, you don't start at one. <laughs> you, you want to start at four. I don't know. I, I assume you guys are on the same page. I agree with that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Chris, you and I have basically verbally assaulted your wife into why she's wrong about that <laughs> numerous times. Yeah. Um, I, I am fully in the belief that you need to watch four, five, six, one, two, three, and I don't think you need to see seven, eight, nine. But interesting. We can. We you don't can, need to see it get... at all. At all. No. Nope. 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 So now, are you saying that from a story standpoint? Like you don't think it was yes. it, it was some okay, but not from yep. like an execution standpoint or like an acting or a, like the movies themselves were fun to watch, but they're not necessary. Is that what you're saying? Yes, I think that they seven eight nine took a now now Chris don't get butt hurt about this. All right. Oh hey now no this okay. is a this, this so, is a this so, is a safe place. <laughs> So <laughs> I think 789 took a Marvel approach in the sense that there's a lot going on. There's all this action and all these like fast paced things. And, ooh, look at this. Ooh, look at that. Look at what's going on. Bam, bam, bam. And then done. And there was no, there's no substance in terms of storytelling, in my mm-hmm. opinion. I, I think mm-hmm. that it, it was like all this, it, it was flashy and glitzy and it looked nice and there was definitely some great moments in all three movies, but I don't. You can see one, two, three, four, five, six. Call it a day, and that it, it's kind of like watching uh, Solo or Rogue One. Like to me, like the the sequel trilogies are like their own little bubble of Star Wars. There's some continuity that relates to the prequels and the original, but. They, I, I do not consider seven, eight, nine as part of what's going on. I think that the sequel trilogy is actually not as good as the prequel trilogy, not by much, but I liked pretty much most of the new characters, with um, some exceptions. But the execution, um, from a production standpoint, perhaps maybe even direction. Definitely, I uh, feel like that is the real problem with the sequel trilogy. And from kind of a, not necessarily a Star Wars nerd, but Star Wars nerd, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it makes it hard to watch because there really isn't any continuity after Seven. Seven kind of creates some questions and answers some that have been introduced by some of the old movies. But once you get to eight and nine, nine especially, I think, um, you know, it really uh, just becomes a, a cash grab, I think. Um, mm. So that's the way I look at it. If that's If I knew that's what I was getting when they announced the first movie, I probably wouldn't have gone and watched it. You know? Um, <laughs> it's just That's just kind of the way I feel about it. 
didn't I'm not saying I didn't enjoy watching the movies, right. but because um, I still I still enjoyed seven, and I enjoyed Rogue One. I did not enjoy Solo. Um, didn't really enjoy eight, and I was n- slightly nostalgic about some things in nine. Yeah. Um, and but at the same time, uh, slightly disappointed in nine as well. Mm-hmm. But oh, as, yeah. as a whole yep. trilogy, as a whole trilogy, the sequel trilogy, I think, is weaker than the prequel trilogy. That's that's what I think. Sure, I, I'd agree with that too. So what I what I what I'm curious about too is this is an impossible question, but how much of that do you think would have been different if, say, for example, J.J. Abrams did all three of the prequels, um, all three? I think of that would have been pretty different. Yeah, I think that would have been pretty different. Would that, would that have made those movies better or more uh, important? I guess in the in the big picture to you guys, I I think, I think... it would have been more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I definitely think it would have been more likely that they would have turned out a better product. Would it have been, you know, something that would live up to the expectations? I I don't know about that, mm-hmm. but I'm pretty sure it would at least make sense. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think the continuity between all three films would have been much easier to just kind of process and just be able to consume rather than have J.J. Abrams do the first one. Then you have Ryan Johnson, who clearly wanted to have a different direction in 8. And then J.J. Abrams comes back and retcons like 90% of what he did. And then just <laughs> like throws in like... Honestly, like I love the idea of Palpatine coming back, but I hated the execution of it. It was totally shoehorned. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Well, I mean, you literally, yeah. It was like it was like, oh shit! Like we got rid of Snoke. Uh, Okay, Palpatine. There you go. He's just back. There you go. (laughs) And that's literally that's literally a line in the movie. I mean, Paul literally just goes. So I guess Palpatine returned. It's like, and that's how I just, I felt through that whole <laughs> damn movie. It's like, okay, so I guess this happened. Let's, shit, we got to figure this out. And they just, they, they just vomit all this, like, retcon in there. And then, oh, oh, the movie's done. Okay. Yeah, I, for Seven, for me, I was really excited for Seven. And even though one could argue that it was basically four again, but with, uh, different characters, but most of the plot points are essentially the same. Saying that very basically, not a bad thing, whatever. But I had high expectations and they were met. I was like, oh my god, that was great. When Kylo Ren is trying to get the lightsaber out of the snow and then it flies past him and Ray catches it, I remember audibly in the theater going, yeah! Because that was, you know, <laughs> made, again, you know, I'm, I'm a fanboy with that kind of stuff. But I had those expectations going into 8 and it obviously went in a very different direction. And I remember walking out of 8 being like, what? Was that what? Was that really it? And there were there were there were good moments in it. There were parts of it that I did like, but overall, I just I I just remember thinking like, what did what was that? And and I realized too, this is something that that you guys might uh, agree with or disagree with. But I think eight tried to be five in the sense that five took a lot of risks and I think turned a lot of things kind of on their head. And obviously, at the time when that came out, Darth Vader is Luke's father fucking what and so i feel like in to a degree i feel like eight tried to sort of replicate that by basically 
taking whatever expectations the audience might have had and throwing them out, which I which I respect to a degree. But I also thought it kind of derailed things a bit, especially when you think about what was set up in seven and where nine ended up going. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, all right. Well, okay. So, I'll I'll give kind of a uh, unpopular opinion here. Out of the three sequels, I actually enjoyed seven the most. Now, in terms of that, I mean that there, there's definitely certain things that could have been full out removed, and I also think that now I'm no director, I'm no editor, but I think. The formatting of how they showed the movie could have been done better. Um, I think I don't know if either of you have ever seen the uh, the Plinket reviews before. Does that sound familiar to either of you? That sounds Not familiar to me. There's another YouTube channel that I follow called Red Letter Media. All right, they do like TV movie reviews. They'll do like everything. They have this like whole plethora of like b movies that they review and just make fun of like they're really funny um and one of the side playlists that they have uh is called the plinket reviews now it's pretty satirical it gets a little strange at times but under the satire there's actual like seriousness behind it um and he does all the prequels i don't think he does the original series but he also does the the sequels. Um, so he did what he calls the last Plinket review, which is the last Jedi review. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's ta- it, Yeah, and, and he talks about like if they had first of all removed that whole casino scene, just mm-hmm. get rid of oh, all don't of that. Even get me started on that. Yeah, that is <laughs> that was the biggest waste of time. Yeah. Ever. But yeah, just get rid of that. And if you had edited it appropriately, and ended it with. Like, the biggest cliffhanger where, like, that scene after Snoke is dead and Kylo reaches his hand out. He claims, like, let it all die, let it all go, whatever. Take my hand, join me. Like, I think that would have been just a prime way to end that because, Mm. you, you know, you have this trilogy that you want to see resolved. And what a way to end the halfway point on this, like, ooh, like this like the the classic will she won't she thing and then mm-hmm. you're you're that builds suspense even more and it's such suspense that it's built for like a year and a half because that's when these movies come out mm-hmm. and i i mean that's just one aspect but i liked that ryan johnson did take it in a different direction mm-hmm. um but i mean hindsight's 2020 obviously because pairing it with episode nine afterward it just seems like well what the fuck was that like i i do agree with you chris in the sense of like so what like what was the point of that like what was the point of all of what we just watched in this last movie for two and a half hours yeah but i i I think that if maybe ryan johnson had stayed on for episode nine or that who was the original director screen for um colin Colin trevorrow yeah so i don't know how to say it trevorrow yeah so maybe because based on what i mean even chris what you sent me that like little animated short that that one person did i think that would have been probably better yeah so kyle are you familiar with this um they leaked the the plot synopsis 
of the original version of episode nine, the one that Colin. Oh, uh, Trevorrow's. Or yes. Trevorrow's. Well, Trevorrow was Tre- 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 Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Yeah. Sunday Movies. That was yeah, it. Sunday Movies. Yeah. So I have, I've seen that. You've seen that? Yeah. 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 I mean, honestly, I, when I was reading that, I was like, I kind of would have rather seen that. I don't know. I liked nine. I, I like, so like to, just to, to tie it all up, I had high expectations for seven. They were met. I had even higher expectations for eight. They were not met. And so I basically went into nine being like, all right, whatever's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I left the theater thinking, okay, yeah, all right. You I were like, appeased. I, yeah, I was appeased. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was definitely. I was a good little sheep and I was, I was happy with, uh, with what I got. But, you know, the, the more I thought about it, the more issues I, I took with certain parts of it. And, uh, you know, I realized part of it is like that their hands were tied in a lot of ways, obviously with Carrie Fisher. Uh, I mean, you know, you can only do what you can with what you have with, with a terrible scenario like that. And I think they, they made it work overall, but I, I remember watching that video, which is first of all, very well done. What's the guy, what's his name again? Mr. Sunday movies, hashtag not a paid promotion. Hashtag not a paid promotion. (laughs) Um, Mr. Sunday movies. (laughs) Yeah. So go, go check that out. The, the, the movie was originally called duel of the fates. I think that's what it's called on his page too, but it's interesting. It's, it, it makes you think about what, what could have been, but I want to, I want to shift focus to the, to the prequels now, because I think the prequels had the advantage of the intrigue and the fact that there was a story, but nobody knew it except George Lucas, you know, as to what happened before four, five and six. And you're finally going to find out. So right off the bat, you're going to have a, an audience. Obviously, it's it's a prequel to arguably the three biggest movies ever made at the time. You're going to get a lot of people in the door just because of that. I don't think a lot of people were expecting midichlorians and um, just I, just safe to assume mind numbing script choices um, I think my dad said once that the prequel trilogy scripts were like if you took it in English and translated it badly into Japanese and then translated it back into English. <laughs> that was basically what you got. I, I feel like that and like it, it's it's an easy target, but things like Jar Jar and the Gungans and the whole battle droid C-3PO. Yeah, thing in Attack of the Clones. Exactly. Yeah, or Attack yeah. of the Clones as a whole. That's what I meant. The whole yeah, movie. exactly. The whole movie. <laughs> I, I think those things just kind of stick out to me as reasons why I'll sit down and watch all of the sequel trilogy knowing that like, all right, yeah, this will, I've seen these movies before, but I'm going to enjoy it. And, and I still when we sat down and watched all of them uh, leading up to, to nine, when we sat down and watched the prequels, I was like, this feels like a chore uh, by comparison, especially two though, because three, I would say maybe the, the third act of three, basically from the Mace Windu Palpatine fight mm. to the end of the movie, I think kind of made up for the rest of the trilogy because everybody's wondering, well, what the hell happened to all the other Jedi? Well, how did Yoda get to Dagobah? Well, how did Palpatine's face get all fucked up? And how does, how does Anakin turn into Darth Vader? Like everybody's wondering. So I think, and I think that was executed pretty well, especially the whole order 66 scene. I think that was, that was really well done. So that almost made up for the rest of the trilogy, but just overall, I don't know. It, it still to me feels like a commitment. If I'm going to sit down and watch the prequels. Yeah, definitely, man. I, I know that um, for me, I feel the last, what is that? The last 30, 40 minutes of episode three, I that should so, have yeah. been episode three. <laughs> yeah. 
honestly, that should have been episode three. Half of, um, I mean, you know, uh, obviously the things that you mentioned aside uh, with episode one and the issues with that, half of that movie, or like that whole movie should have been at, like at most half of the movie. And it should have like led into the Clone Wars and then the Clone Wars, except, you know, things that are more intriguing than what they actually delivered. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, leading into what episode three was like, I don't really think, I don't think that it would have been too much of a difficult decision to curb about 25% of the politics in that movie. And maybe even more than that to just kind of give the movie some breathing room, you know? I mean, I didn't really get to sit down and enjoy those movies until like I was like 13 or 12. Yeah. Where I was like, oh, that's what that means. Okay, that's what that means. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think I kind of agree with everything you guys said in terms of I think the politics could have been turned down just a tad um, in the first one. I mean, you need to set up why there's up incentive. Well, yes, yes. Essentially, I mean, essentially, and again, like for a nine, six, seven-year-old, like, you, I, I'm the same way with Kyle. It's like when I first saw him, like, what the fuck? Like, not what the fuck? Like, <laughs> because a six year old is like, what the fuck? Um, no, I, I'm just like, what the heck are trade routes and blockades? Yeah. I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And it wasn't until, like, again, like 11, 12, I'm like, oh, okay, it's starting to make sense. And then I think, I think I grew more appreciative of the prequels after i started watching house of cards in the sense that you're i don't know if you guys have seen that show at all oh yeah um, yeah but but obviously the main character frank underwood is a quintessential anti-hero like this is when like breaking bad was really big and like all like all these people are mm -hmm. trying to create these anti-hero shows so I think I, I was looking through that lens at the time at one point and went back and watched the prequels um, because I did have that stigma like, oh, these are just terrible movies um, <laughs> and, and just kind of looked at it through the lens of like, all right, well, I know Palpatine is manipulating and maneuvering. And while our focus is on so many other characters through those first three movies, obviously up until the third one, especially in that third act, you're subconsciously aware of what Palpatine is doing. And I think I sort of appreciated that more with his subliminal messaging of like, oh, well, what if Senator Amidala was here? I think she would know what to do when influencing Jar Jar to give him emergency powers and doing all this and the vote of no confidence of the first one. I think I, I gained a lot more appreciation in terms of, like, the politics, as lame as that sounds, in terms of How it affected going back. The, the story. Yeah, and, and I think, I think I, it just made it more enjoyable for me, uh, mm. especially now. Uh, but I do agree that um, in terms of, like, how movies played out, I think episode two, you could have put all the just shit that you see in the beginning in the, <laughs> the, the the text crawl. You can put that in the text crawl. Start it with either Obi-Wan on Kamino or when they're all chained up on Geonosis. You start there, and then you do, like, 
you, you expand the Clone Wars because like that's what the movie's fucking called. Maybe because uh, all you see like okay yeah sure it's called Attack of the Clones so you only see the attack on Geonosis and then you see that crap Dooku fight. But uh, I, I don't I don't know <laughs> like you could you you could explore like a like a couple battles like obviously right. all these Jedi turn into like quote-unquote like generals it's Mm -hmm. like okay why aren't we seeing more of that there there was some unrealistic as i put that in air quotes um, because it's uh, well like they're about aliens and laser yeah exactly i I mean they're supposedly in this like galactic war and there's no real signs of it until order 66 and it's like okay why but 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 in general, I, I do appreciate the prequels. I guess what I'm getting at, I enjoy the prequels more now through the lens of Palpatine's manipulation. It makes mm-hmm. them more enjoyable and doesn't turn it into a chore and actually turns it into something like, like you pick up on those subtleties throughout all three movies. I That's guess. definitely the way to watch it. I mean, I, yeah. I know that I can't. When I had to watch, well, I'm talking like I had to, but I did. <laughs> when I had to watch the prequels again, uh, when I went to go see, you know, seven, eight, and nine, um, I definitely like. I was like, okay, you know, I can get through one. I can get. I can barely get through two, but this is all part of what leads to the last thirty minutes of three. Like it's it's. Some of it's not important, some of it, most of it is, blah, blah, blah. Like, I can make it, it'll be fine, you know, and, you know, then you eventually get there. But, like, man, they could have just, like, <sighs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, because it's a massive story told over nine movies, if, if you know, if we're just right. focusing on the actual Skywalker Space saga. Opera. I think that's what they're calling it. Um, and that's like what twenty hours. Like, there's a lot of information there, and there's a lot to pick apart. But I think you also kind of have to accept it for what it is. The prequels overall, I think, uh, kind of sucked, but they also did not suck in in many ways, like we just mentioned. And I think th- the same can kind of be said for for the sequel trilogy. Really, I mean, there were a lot of things that I thought worked really well. There were a lot of things that didn't but overall i mean there aren't any movies in those nine that i would say yeah i never need to watch that again like solo i never need to watch solo again yeah i do i think need to watch rogue <laughs> one again and now this so this is this is something because um because adam i don't i don't remember your opinion on rogue one but i happen to think that this is another one that i went in with no expectations um mm. and i was very pleasantly surprised at how well uh, it was executed how, you know, I mean, you basically knew the story going in. Uh, so there weren't really any surprises there. Um, but just how it was all done, um, the cast, I mean, the script, the, the everything I, I thought, I thought was actually pretty good. And I would watch that movie again. Um, but like, you know, solo again, we, we barely even need to talk about that. I could, I could just leave, leave that one alone for, for the rest of my life and i'd be okay but what what do what did you think about the uh the non skywalker saga movies the star wars stories okay so just side note i'm very curious to know why you guys are so um against solo because there's clearly some there, there, there's some pent-up feelings i think we need to talk about i'm mm-hmm. genuinely curious mm-hmm. um but it in terms of rogue one 
So I had like quite the opposite of you, Chris. So I went with Heidi, mm-hmm. and we were like pretty excited about it. And as soon as we left, we were like, wow, that really was not good. Like we mostly had like some pretty negative things to say about it. Um, we weren't a fan of the. Now I've only seen it twice, so I don't really remember everybody's names. But the um, the Imperial droid that they reprogrammed that tags along with them. I wasn't a big fan of that character at first. I can never look at the Millennium Falcon the same. <laughs> Wait, why, why is that? I don't uh, get it. I don't know, man. It's just like... Oh, because of Solo. Yeah, because of Solo, yeah. Oh, okay. Not not okay. in like a really right. bad way, but it's just like... Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, well. so so what, what, did, what did you think about Rogue One, like... Specific, like I'm sure there was a reason. There were there were several reasons, probably, um, that when you left the theater, you felt that way. What were what were some of the biggest ones? Um, I don't know. I think I was just bitter. I was just having, <laughs> I don't know. I could have just been in a bad <laughs> mood. Like like I have no idea. I could have just been in a bad mood. Who knows? Well, but didn't didn't you know what was going to happen when you walked into that theater? Like yeah, kind of like I mean, kind of like Episode Three. Like you knew right. what was going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, but I think I, I I genuinely think that three would the, the prequels were told better. I guess I don't know. Hmm. I, I I don't know. Well, the point I'm getting at is I watched it a second time and I actually enjoyed it more mm-hmm. watching it again. Um, and probably I think I might have just been in a bad mood. I really don't know because <laughs> I like I wa- I watched it because um, I mean I'm working from home, so it's like all right, what am I going to put on that I don't need to focus on, but I can kind of focus on? So mm-hmm. I put that on, and I was like, oh, sh- like this is actually this is pretty good. Like the, the story is well done, the directing is really good, um, the acting is excellent. Um, mm. I, I still think the, the that Imperial robot character. It, I, that to me stayed pretty consistent. It seemed like it was there for comic relief, but it wasn't to me very funny. Maybe they were going right. for like dry, like robotic humor, like like in the sense that because it's a robot, it's going to be dry. And I just didn't like. And I love dry comedy. Like I'm a big fan of like Mitch Hedberg, Demetri Martin, like all those guys. But mm-hmm. it just didn't. It, it didn't come off as funny it was just kind of like oh, like God, shut up like just, just shut up like, just like help them be useful Wise where ass. you need yeah just be be useful where you need to be useful or and just shut your mouth like i don't okay. need to hear what you have to say but in terms of the story even though i knew what was going to happen mm-hmm. i think that the action was really good it was still suspenseful because you're like like how do they get these plans to the rebels like how do they manage to do that and then obviously they did like some fan service with some epic darth vader just like mauling down of people no pun intended um and that was pretty entertaining to close off the movie but yeah i think first round watching it i was just bitter and just in a bad mood but second time around i enjoyed it much more sure you came around all right well kyle what, what did you think about it so, what what do you want first, Rogue One or or Solo? Let's do, let, let's stay on Rogue One, yeah. Because okay. you guys Rogue... seem you both seem pretty bitter about Solo, <laughs> so I, I think that's a whole other thing that maybe I need to moderate. <laughs> okay, so Rogue One is one of my favorite uh, Star Wars films that have come out. I do agree with uh, the robot. 
I do. They were definitely going for a dry sense of humor. There's no doubt about it. But it definitely was like I never laughed at it. Like it's in the theater, the initial reaction, I, I never like laughed out loud. Mm. Yeah. Or I like I maybe had a smirk like once or <laughs> twice. Yeah. But like I never, I never was. But I wasn't annoyed by it either. I was just like, okay, the the robots kind of just like a pain in the ass, you know. <laughs> that's just the way it is. Fine. Yeah. But um. I really enjoyed a lot of the elements of uh, of Rogue One. With um, I mean, they made some mentions with with just just kind of like here and there with like kyber crystals and uh, you know that whole like not quite Jedi Order, and uh, there was a lot of character development in it that I was really into. And somebody asked me, like, okay, I really, you know, I hated Rogue One. I, I couldn't even name two people from the from the character cast. Can you name two? And I was like, I can name more. So the robot's name was K2SO. There's Jin Erso. That's uh, Felicity Jones. Cassian Andor, who they're going to make a series about, which I'm not really interested in, to be no, quite no, honest. No. Um, Orson Krennic, who's... Um, the Ben Mendelsohn guy, he's he's in another Netflix series. I don't remember what the name is. Mads Mikkelsen, my man, who's a uh, <laughs> uh, Galen or so. Uh, I mean, I, I could keep going, but like the, the my point that's is already, that I really... that's already more than than I think <laughs> I had more than one. Two. I think I had one. And that's and kind of the thing, like for me. Yeah. <laughs> so like I, I that movie was really memorable for me. Like I really enjoyed the characters in it. And I mean, come on, Darth Vader doing a Panzer tank impression down a hallway is my <laughs> one of my favorite moments in all of Star Wars. I was waiting for a moment like that, especially being a big Darth Vader guy mm-hmm. in the prequels, and I never got it. I just got the no, you know, at the end yeah. of the fight. Oh my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which we could oh, get into as well, <laughs> right? And yeah. I was so bummed as as a as a kid watching those because it's like, man, like Darth Vader's so cool. Like, why does he never do cool stuff? Yeah. And like that scene came out and I remember me and my buddies were in the movie watching it and like the hallway darkens and my, my buddy Greg, who's also another big star Wars guy, he was like, Oh my God, shit's going to go down. It's happening. And I was like, what? And you hear. Yeah. And then that's it. Like, yeah. You like the first like all oh, these guys are fucked. There's no, yeah. there's no press. <laughs> so oh I Rogue One for me like out of all the new movies, out of mm. all the Disney made movies, Rogue One hands down is my favorite. I loved about ninety to ninety five percent of that movie. Yeah, um, it was just I was I was hooked. They had me. No yeah, about I, it. And that's probably because there was no expectations going into it. I didn't know anything exactly. about it. Oh yeah. Besides the fact of the plot being in between, you know, three and three and four setting up four. And that was all I knew. Yeah. I, I would agree with that. I, I think also just like you said, like after after um I'm gonna try and remember all these names now. <laughs> <laughs> after generous. I could, I could and, spit them uh, out for you. We can spit them out. Yeah. <laughs> after uh, after basically uh, they test the Death Star. They blow up the planet, even though they after they got the plans to to the rebels and everything. Movie over. That was it. You you see the mushroom cloud from space, and I'm like, oh wow, all right. 
Shit, yeah. that was heavy. I didn't expect to, to, you know, connect to it emotionally like I did. But wow, well done. All right, good movie. But wait, oh, this movie isn't over. And so they already had me after that. I was like, wow, okay, good movie. Well done, Disney. I guess you guys figured it out. And then the Darth Vader thing happens. Oh, yeah. And that scene hit it home for me. And I think, honestly... That is one of the biggest reasons, although I, I, I do agree with everything you just said, Kyle, about um, what you liked about the movie and why. I think that scene really sealed it for me. And it was, I, I might even say that is my favorite Star Wars scene because just the, the sheer badassness of of seeing Darth Vader do what everybody says he did. Like you obviously know how, how bad of a motherfucker this guy was, but even though like, you know, in, in the original trilogy, he's just kind of like, like he doesn't, you don't really see him move around a lot because he's a robot mostly. And, and an old dude at that, uh, when you're talking about like the actor playing him. So they don't really get (laughs) as acrobatic as they did, especially in the prequel trilogy. Um, but in this movie, you see him just, go nuts he just Fuck goes up, off man. and it was like <laughs> that was it that was it for me i was just like oh my god um but but so so i would i would say that that is probably one of the reasons why i i like that movie so much i want to hear kyle's thoughts on solo because i think mm. a lot of mine uh agree but i think you'll be able to articulate them better so what what do you think about solo kyle um, I just, I didn't really need to see it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, I just, I never really, I watched the movie and like, it was cool to be like, okay, this is what the Kessel Run was. And, oh, this was cool to, to see this. And I love Donald Glover. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say everything about the movie was bad, you know, but like, I was never into it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it didn't feel it, necessary. That's kind of the big thing. Like. Like obviously Amelia Clark is a huge bonus, I but would agree with that. But yes. I, I I don't. And Alden, what was his name? Alden Ehrenreich, something like that. Oh yeah, yeah. For Han Solo, I think he did a great job as Han Solo. Yeah. Um, but the entirety of the movie, like I was just kind of like, okay, it's kind of more like just I never really got into it, so I never really ventured to seek explanations for things and this happened because of this and really kind of, you know, whatever. And I also didn't really, there was kind of a similar problem with nine. There was really no stakes. Like, you know, what's going to happen. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I mean, Darth Maul was a nice surprise spoiler alert, but (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't seen it by now, like, yeah, Yeah. but, um, yeah, Darth Maul was a nice surprise, kind of being like, okay, uh, I've watched all of the Clone Wars movies, so Darth Maul's still around. Mm-hmm. Uh, what does that mean? I knew, I had an idea of what was going to happen at the end. I knew right. that we were going to get some of the things that Han Solo's talked about, but, I mean, everything else was kind of like, eh, like, there's, there was just really no, no stakes. Yeah. Like, there was no, like, it, Nothing he really did with the exception of, like, oh, your thing's helping the rebellion. Like, there's no real impact to the story. Mm-hmm. Um, at least from what I picked up. So, yeah, that's that's kind of my thoughts about it. I didn't really... I, I It's it's better than some of the other movies, but yeah. I didn't enjoy it. 
I think obviously Han Solo is a hugely important character. Han Solo plays a huge role, but I yeah. didn't. I don't need to know about basically any of it. I don't know. I, I think I think an Obi Wan movie, like what did Obi Wan do between uh, Episode three and Episode four? Like that would and and they're supposedly going back to shooting that show for uh, for Disney Plus, and so eventually we'll see that, but. Uh, and maybe that'll work out. I mean, you know, have, giving so. Obi Wan more of a more than one movie, but uh, as opposed to Solo. But uh, but I don't know. All right. So 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 Adam, what was your takeaway? Because it sounds like you felt a little more a little more positively than than we do about it. I mean, I guess I guess I sort of feel the same way that Kyle does, but I, I think I'm looking through it more and with like rose colored glasses, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it was a good movie. Like it, it, it told the story, like Kyle said, you know, you, he mentions, um, like all the things that are mentioned in the original trilogy. You get to see how he meets Chewbacca. Mm-hmm. Um, they do some fan service as to how he got such an obscure name. Um, like Han Solo, it's only because he's by himself and the empire basically gives him that name. Um, it was cool to see the Kessel run in terms of like what that actually meant. I, I honestly thought the Kessel run like was like the ship, like it was like a Kessel. Like <laughs> he had he had the ship, the Kessel, and he made it run in twelve parts. Like so, that was nice to just kind of put some <laughs> okay. context yeah. to that. Um, I thought the last little duel at the end was pretty enjoyable um i I don't know like uh, i feel the same way like yeah it it was it was a good movie it was well done i don't need to see it again yeah um it was nice to see darth maul um again i didn't know that he was still alive like through the the tv series and everything but it was nice to see that like oh okay they're like really gonna bring him into like the full canon of star wars which is really nice to see Mm. um and I do again. Me too. I love Donald Glover. I think he's great. Um, good acting. Good execution. Yeah, I think the but cast it, really um, was a was a big plus for that movie. Yeah, yeah. I, I think they did really well with casting, and it was shot well. Dialogue was great. Um, but yeah, like it, it was good. I enjoyed it. And if someone said that, like, hey, I'm going to put this movie on, I'd be like, okay. But I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it again. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Yeah. Well, moving further away from the the big nine, uh, and we'll get back to them too. What do you guys think about Mandalorian uh, overall? I mean, I think I, we we all probably agree on this. I know very exciting, but um, I I think it's it was a pleasant surprise. I didn't really know what to expect. Like when I found out they were making the series, it's like just about some you know random Mandalorian bounty hunter. I was like, well, why didn't you just make like a Boba Fett series or something like that? And then. I obviously tuned in and it, I liked it a lot. Um, there were some episodes that I think, um, were less engaging than others, but, but overall, Kyle, we'll start with you. What what do you think about Mandalorian? Um, I think John Favreau very much gets star Wars with the exception of magic flute robot on the icy lake. I enjoyed a lot of that series. I came back and watched it every was it Friday? I mean, I, I think don't it was, yeah, it was every week. Yeah, every Friday. Yeah, so I watched it every Friday, and um, I, I didn't feel intrigued enough to watch it like more than once. 
but I was definitely like, yeah. this is the most interesting thing, at least for me, that's happening in some sort of television capacity. Uh, so I'm definitely going to watch it. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed the Mandalorian. It's definitely going somewhere, I think, and I hope mm-hmm. it brings some context to some pre-episode seven content. Um, and I also really liked the the wonderful scene with uh, with Gus with the with the dark saber at the end. But mm. you know. yeah, yeah, they're gonna have but to get into that for sure. I'm glad you called him Gus. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I really, I really, in, I enjoyed the Mandalorian. Would I say it's the best Star Wars content I've seen? No, it's not the best, but it's it's definitely for for the first television series that Disney is putting together on Star Wars. I think they they made some really smart choices, mm-hmm. um, and uh, with a good dose of some fan service, but also really paying attention to how everything ties into the greater Star Wars universe and I think a lot of that has to do with John Favreau mm-hmm. kind of directing and kind of guiding that uh well that series. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. What do, what do you think, Adam? Um yeah, I honestly, I I'm going to try and curb my enthusiasm here a little bit. Um <laughs> Because I I fucking love The Mandalorian so much. I think it's probably <laughs> wow, some of the best right. Star Wars content that's come out. Um, I, now, I'm not in the realm of, like, I'm going to watch every episode a thousand times. Yeah. But I, I, I think, I, I agree with you, Kyle. Like, I think that Jon Favreau just gets Star Wars. Um, just watching these, like, behind-the-scenes episodes that are coming out and oh just yeah watch, yeah i've been watching like, those too they're good yeah. yeah yeah they're they're just really well done um i think the directing and just the the style that is brought to the show it's very western um and i i kind of went into it the same way i'm sure everyone else did like why are they why did they pick this like bounty hunter that looks like boba fett like i don't get it what is going on? And I think what really sold me was in that first opening scene in the bar. Um, they're like taunting him and taunting him. And then he starts kicking ass, kicking ass. And then one of the guys tries to escape. And oh, then yeah. the door closes and cuts him in half. I just That scene was going, sick. I know. I was just like, I literally <laughs> remember sitting there going like, holy shit, that was awesome. <laughs> and, and, and after that, like, yeah, there's definitely some slower episodes. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. But I, I think it's all pivotal. I, I really do think that, again, I love character development. And while there are some slower episodes, I, I think that they're necessary. Now, I think there's a difference between slow episodes and filler episodes. I don't think there's any filler episodes okay. in the Mandalorian. I think okay. that one of the slower episodes is when they're on that agrarian planet and uh, the Mandalorian is like trying to set up camp in that village with the, okay. the, 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 the agrarian folk, you know, they're, they're, they're growing crops and, they get yeah. ambushed by those thugs, and then they had that ATAT that they yeah. um, like hijacked, essentially. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, I'm glad you said that because because that I think what is there eight episodes Mandalorian? Maybe. I, I think it was more I, than that. Maybe there's eight or nine or ten, even I don't know. But but I remember that one sticking out to me as like 
Yeah, it, it, it's 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 very slow. It's yeah. it's very exhausting to watch. But I think that the character development is there because you watch the Mandalorian toy with possibly staying there. You right. know, obviously there's uh, the threat of those thugs coming in. I mean, he's almost tempted to take his helmet off in front of that woman. Right. And then obviously he doesn't, but I think that there's this play of, okay, he's not really sure what he wants to do. And I think that that's really necessary for his development as a character overall. Um, and who knows, maybe we'll never see him toy with that again. Um, but I mean, we, we see him kind of reflect back on everything that he's done once he meets the kid or baby right. Yoda, as we love to call him. I mean, he, was, <laughs> he was, he was all about just capturing the bounty, give me my money. All right, next yeah. mission. And yeah. I think that all of this kind of plays into, all right, that flipped his whole perspective on what his life has been since he was taken by the Mandalorian. And you, you see these little touches here and there of like humanity in him. Um, and I, I think that episode did a good job while it is very slow. Um, mm -hmm. It definitely did not feel like a filler episode. It felt necessary to introduce a couple more characters and just introduce the fact that like, okay, he he could potentially, if the situation's right, he could just stop dead in his tracks and live out the rest of his days not collecting bounty anymore. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, but, but overall, I, I love the series. I'm very excited for season two. I'm loving these behind-the-scenes episodes that come out. Um, and it's, yeah, I, I personally think it's the best Star Wars content that has come out. Yeah, I man, do they hit a home run with Baby Yoda too? Oh my god! <laughs> they should have set up that merchandise a lot. Like they should have had that ready to go. That was yeah. That was their big fumble, I think, with Mandalorian. Oh god, they totally blew it. Well, and I think part of it. Well, so I'll, I'll give them this. Uh, I heard maybe it was John Favreau interview. I don't remember who, but I remember after Baby Yoda mania hit after the first episode and continued through the series that they intentionally delayed. Um creating that merchandise especially because they could have had it out by christmas could you imagine they ended up releasing oh, i think in like march god i yes, know I uh, but they wanted to avoid spoilers they wanted to prevent people who hadn't been able to start watching yet from mm. knowing that basically the whole series is about baby yoda um so i think and i mean when you think about it like i would get i mean i don't know about you guys whenever i'm like online i see baby yoda fucking everywhere and it's mostly like you know like um like i don't i want to say bootleg stuff but like people are just like taking baby yoda and throwing them on t-shirts that you know make no sense or whatever <laughs> it's not like disney merchandise but like it's everywhere and I, I i would i would bet that they probably you know they probably lost a few million dollars or something but it's disney it's star wars they'll make that money back and so if they if they yeah. actually did delay it for the purpose of preventing it from being ruined for people then then i i respect that all right go john favreau all right let's get into what do you think is the best lightsaber fight in all of star mm. wars for me i feel like 
not to reduce everything about Star Wars into one particular facet, but for me, I think almost every movie leads up to a big-ass lightsaber fight. For me, there, there are a number that stick out. I don't know if I would count the Darth Vader scene at the end of Rogue One because it wasn't much of a fight, but it was... You know, obviously, <laughs> it wasn't lightsaber on lightsaber. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So, so, all right. What? Let's start with. Uh, let's start with Kyle. What? What would you say is the best lightsaber duel in all of Star Wars? Oh boy, um, I, I've thought about this a couple of times, especially when Star Wars release dates are coming around. I usually, almost a hundred percent of the time, well, yeah, about a hundred percent of the time, always come back to uh, duel of fates. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't really, um, there's a lot of great lightsaber interactions. There's a handful of bad ones. Uh, I mean, you could, you could throw the Count Dooku fight, both of them really. Um, oh, God. and you, uh, you could, I count them in, in the lower echelon of lightsaber fights. Um, I think, uh, even though it's not a lightsaber fight, I, I, I know this isn't really answering your question, kind of, but I think it's important to talk about the bad ones. Um, <laughs> the the even though it's not a lightsaber fight, I don't particularly like the um, the staff fight in Episode Eight uh, between Rey and oh, Luke man. Skywalker. Okay, I, all right, I don't really like that one. What? Uh, okay, because it's not lightsaber on lightsaber. Eh, no, it's just like there's no stakes. We know what's going to happen. You know, um, okay. she's not going to kill Luke, and he's not going to kill her. But I, I do have to say that uh, really close uh, second. I really enjoyed the throne room scene from eight, despite my feelings about how eight is overall. And that's yeah. not a lightsaber on lightsaber fight either. But that scene. Is it's? I remember watching that happen. I was like, "This is incredibly well choreographed." Yeah, there is so many great moments. The moment where you know uh, Adam Driver, you know, does the quick switch of the lightsaber through the dude's head. Mm-hmm. That was a pretty mm-hmm. impactful movement in the in the theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we're talking lightsaber on lightsaber, first impact value and how it carries over. Duel of Fates, I don't think that there is much competition in 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 that statement. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are lightsaber fights that are definitely still good um, sure. and enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Yeah. I I I kinda come back to that one too because it's what got me really into Star Wars as a whole. I mean I knew I knew every friggin' move in that in that in that scene like and it's a long scene too because episode one it's it's cut in with i think the the battle droids versus the gungans and the uh i think anakin's flying around in, in his uh in forest cupping he's forest cupping <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i think um i yeah and th- so there's a lot going on so that scene goes on for like i don't know like 15 20 minutes i don't, I don't even know um and i i do keep coming back to that but if it's not that one, and I also like the throne the throne room a lot too, um, especially, um, I mean that was that was one of the things that I, I'll, I'll give Ryan Johnson. And first of all, I, I have to, I have to clarify. I think overall, I don't think eight is a bad movie. 
Um, especially if you cut out the uh, the space horses, casino bite, all of that, or canto bite, all of that. No, it's casino uh, bite. Casino bite, <laughs> casino royale, <laughs> canto royale. Um, but I would get rid of all of that, and episode eighty is a lot more tolerable. Um, but one of my big things with that movie, I think, was the lack of like an like a proper lightsaber duel. And obviously, I understand why there wasn't one at the end because Luke was projecting himself. And then I was like, oh, okay, all right, fine, I guess I get it. But I won't pick episode one just because you just did, and I think that's easy for me to just agree with that. Um, I would actually say episode seven, man, because again, as important and as great. Uh, four, five, and six were the the lightsaber action. I think maybe I was spoiled by the prequels because it was almost over the top. Uh, the choreography with the lightsaber fights there, but four, five, and six wasn't quite on the same level. And so when seven came along, I was like, okay. And then as soon as um, as Ray and, and Kylo started fighting, I was like, I was hooked. I was like, oh my god, this is great. And I and you know, you wonder how it's going to end. Like you do with all, is somebody going to get? Like they're friggin' hand lobbed off. Like what's going to happen? And I think also just the suspense that had been building up, not only that that whole movie, because at that point you didn't even know, you didn't really know who Ray was or how powerful she was, and that was obviously her big, her big moment. But I just every minute of that of that lightsaber scene, I was hooked. So that one kind of sticks out for me. I'll I'll stop there, Adam. Which one would you pick if you had to pick one? It really is between Duel of the Fates and Episode 3. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and really, it, it, it even comes down in terms of Episode 3. I, I really enjoyed both of those duels. I think that the, um, at that point, Vader and Obi-Wan um, fight is really good. And mm-hmm. then so is the Palpatine and Yoda fight. Um as much as people don't really think about that fight too much because it doesn't last as long. Um, mm-hmm. I think that they're both pretty epic in what they are portraying because they really are showcasing like the end of uh, the Republic and showing just the culmination of Palpatine's wrongdoing or not wrongdoings, but his evil, dastardly ways. Um, and I, I really do. One of my favorite scenes in that movie is when Yoda and Palpatine like rise up through that uh, Chancellor seat in the center of the Senate, and it's just this dark, empty hall. And I, I think the representation of like the past being like gone essentially, with the, the Senate chambers just empty, and you're just seeing the old and the new. Um, in terms of like the way that the galaxy is going to be um, ruled is just yes. it, it's phenomenal. I, I just think that's just an epic scene. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I I always love watching Duel of the Fates, Duel of the motherfucking Fates. So yeah, it's just so good. Yeah, and there's a lot of I think there's a lot of um, I want to say symbolism, but but thematic things that that George Lucas did kind of sneak into or include in the prequels that I think gets lost when you consider how overall disappointing those three movies were like um, you know Obi-Wan has taught you well in in episode 5 when uh, Luke has the high ground 
Like, <laughs> yep, I saw that. I yeah, yeah go. It. <laughs> ex- there you go. In episode three, it's over. I have the high ground. Like, oh, oh, okay, all right, very good. And then, but also, like, you have that. I mean, you can't really take away the fact that George Lucas is really fucking good at what he did. And when you have something like that, I never thought of it like that. Like when you, what, how you just said, like, okay, here's, here's this big fight in the Senate chambers where this is how it all was run. And now it's all falling apart. And, uh, I don't know. I just, I never really, I never really thought of it that way. That, that's interesting. All right. So what would you say is the best element and maybe the worst element of the original trilogy? Um, I think the best element is the the success of how imposing the empire is. Hmm. Um, I don't really think um, I don't I don't think I need to explain that too much. I think it's pretty pretty obvious with Darth Vader and just like the sheer uh, you know advantage that the empire has, um, with the exception of stormtrooper aim. But I mean, <laughs> like, like you watch the movies, and if you're not paying attention to stormtrooper aim, you're like, Jesus, how are they going to do this? Like, I remember that's what how I felt when I was watching the movies um, before I had watched them, you know, seven thousand three hundred sixty four times since I have watched the movies seven thousand three hundred sixty four times. The originals. What I'm going to say is incredibly nitpicky, and um isn't something that I didn't really notice until I had watched Empire Strikes Back when I was rewatching them to see episode 7 and that is that there's a slight plot hole in Empire when uh Vader says uh and like towards towards the beginning of the movie like he's like I'm I am certain that Skywalker is there too when they're doing the whole Hoff thing, you know, and uh, when you get to the middle of the movie, the Emperor says, "I have n- what is it? I have no doubt." Um, like the boy is An- Anakin Skywalker's kid, something like that. And Vader says, "That is not possible. That is a pretty huge plot hole because he's the only." Skywalker that what's his mom's name Shmi right Episode oh yeah one, yeah. Two. yeah yeah Shmi as far as we know she didn't have any other children and I think Anakin would probably know that slash Vader would probably mm-hmm. know that so unless he's trying to create some sort of ruse that he doesn't know to the Emperor like that's a pretty significant plot hole that that I overlooked for shit like 15 years yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> um but that's me being like now that i've seen the movie this many times and i like i pick up on stuff like that like that i can't unsee that now and i'm just like oh this movie's so close to being like the best thing ever um <laughs> uh if we're not being nitpicky ewoks definitely ewoks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah man yeah, that that was another thing that I think kind of sank six for me when I rewatched it. Like, man, it really is kind of unbearable with the Ewoks. Oh my god, it's pretty brutal. I, I thought so at least. All right, so I guess we're 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 down to it. What is from worst to first? 
how would you rank all of the movies, and we can include Solo and Rogue One, um, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, Solo and Rogue One, from worst to first, and why? So why don't, Adam, why don't you start? Okay. Um, so I'll just kind of give my why at the end in, mm-hmm. like, the grand scheme of things, um, just for time's sake, because I could go on and on and on. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> All right, so 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 worst to first, I'm also gonna exclude uh, just for my list Solo and um, Rogue One. I don't know why. I just I don't I don't really have a place to put them. I guess because they just they do kind of feel separated, even though they're not. But to me, they do. So I'm just gonna stick through uh, one through nine. Um, but I would say episode two, then episode nine, seven, eight, one. You can tell I really thought this through. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one, then four, five, three. So you put episode three. At number one. Damn. That is correct. Yep. Okay. <laughs> All right. Explain yourself. Okay. Why I put number three at the top. Is there a specific thing you want me to explain? Well, I'm curious how you ranked them. Obviously, there are reasons why uh, I think we all agree that two is at the bottom. But but why did you put three at the top? Okay. <laughs> um, I put three at the top because... There's a multitude of reasons. I think nostalgia plays into it because um, that was that was uh, Chris. I think I mentioned this on the the first episode. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the one episode I saw the midnight premiere for. Um, so that was pretty exciting to see because I was like the first of all my friends to see it. And yeah. at first I thought it was really cool, and then I realized, oh shit! Like I went to school and I couldn't talk about it. So there, yeah. there's kind of what a catch twenty two with <laughs> yeah. that, you know. Yeah. I was like, when I was in like seventh grade, so I was like, oh my god, wasn't it great? And all my friends are like, we haven't seen it yet. I'm like, yeah. oh shit, okay. <laughs> um, but I think that while the first half of that movie was pretty silly and not really necessary, that that whole third act of when Palpatine reveals himself to Anakin. Um, and you can start to hear the Sidious come out in him, um, along with the the Plagueis story. I I think the Plagueis story is so good with the Emperor's theme playing like subtly in the background is really really good. Um, just that like kind of pagany um, Gregorian chant that is his theme is really just menacing and awesome. People think that it's like pretty campy, and that's totally okay. But when he, like, he knee-jerks his lightsaber out and says, It's treason, then. And then he jumps and does that, like, ridiculous spin. He does, like, this, like, wah! Like, he does this scream. And it's actually, like, a Sith, like, power. Like, it's it's literally supposed, supposed to, maybe I read it wrong, but it's, like, supposed to, like, incapacitate you. Almost like a flashbang kind of thing. And at first I thought it was super campy and dorky, but, like, after looking into it some more, um, I I think it's actually pretty cool. And I just, the darkness behind it all is sad, but also, 
a, just a great way to end it. I think yeah, it's just a nice way to end. Yeah, it, it really is. And when Anakin's like about to get burned and he's all cut up, and while his acting, Hayden Christensen's acting, is the best that he could do with the dialogue that he was given, <laughs> when he when he screams like "I hate you," I think that is the most realistic line that he gives in those two movies it, it's so brutal and guttural like it really feels like this volcanic just eruption of all the hatred that's been building in him through that one line and i think that that was just oh like it just it gives me chills every time because he's like i hate you yeah. and it's it, it just really encompasses his feelings toward where he was going, which is obviously Darth Vader. Um, right. And, and again, like, it may, I, I, I agree that the, the whole no was so <laughs> bad. It just ruined it. It was so close. It was so close. And then you just get this just comical no. And that, that was the bad part. But, yeah, episode three, I think, is just so impactful in terms of the story as a whole um, that I just, I enjoy it so much. And that's kind of why I put it. Okay. I, I would, I, I would watch that one a thousand times. Like if that's the only star Wars movie I could watch, I'd watch that one. Okay. All right. I'll go next. So for me, I am going to include solo and in rogue one. Um, and I would say, well, I kind of tip my hand. I would say two. It's at the bottom there. Uh, and then I would say one and then solo and then three, six, eight, nine, and then rogue one, seven, four, and five. Some of those I feel like I could I could flip I could probably yeah well no actually no I I I think I stand by it I mean two is just like I said and like I think we've all said like whew, it's garbage it's oh yeah. god <laughs> if anything needs a retcon or a remake it's that one for sure yeah let's just yeah. get rid of that one almost entirely <laughs> I, I'm trying to think I think Django Fett because if I if I didn't if I didn't pick Darth Maul. As as my guy at the top, I would I would probably have said Boba Fett, and so seeing how that all started with his father and and all of that, I mean that was that might be the only thing I take away from two. Um, God, anyway, I, I won't go through every single movie, but um, I would say five. Man, it was four in terms of the the story, and I would say the characters. The, I mean everything. It, it was basically that, but the next level. And obviously, you know, cinematic history significance aside, you know, when you, you know, that that line, "I am your father," all of that. Um, I mean, I I only wish I could have been one of the kids in the theater when that came out. And this is pre-internet, obviously. Like nobody saw that coming. I think I think only Mark Hamill and George Lucas and and I think Irving Kirshner knew that that was even the line and so everybody i think was floored when that came out so i i would have loved to to been uh in the theater for that but i think just like i said before 
the execution, the script, just everything about that movie for me just feels like everything that was started on four, but taken to the next level. So, and obviously I think George Lucas not being in the director's chair might've helped having an outside perspective to sort of take it to that next level. I, I think, I think helped, but overall I, I really, I hesitate to use the word perfect, but I, I think in the context of, of, you know, all of these different movies, I think, I think Empire is, is at the top. What do you guys think? Um, I I'm man, I, I, I don't know how I feel about eight being that high on your list. So it's right in the middle for me. And I think that is because the the parts of that movie that I like, I really like. The parts of it that I don't like, I really don't like. Obviously the casino scene, I think we all agree. But mm. uh also just like the whole gravity of the last scene in seven where Ray gives Luke the lightsaber and there's this big dramatic stare and like, Oh my God, like what is, what is Luke seen? What is all, you know, where has he been? This is, this is going to be big. And then when you get back to that, where that scene left off in eight and he just throws it over his shoulder. I'm like, what, what, what? That's not what I, you know, and, and obviously like, you know, my personal expectations uh, are not what I judge a movie on, and, and I wouldn't expect other people to judge it on my expectations. But that, that to me, just like that was a red flag to me, and I was like, ah, what? And then there are parts of the movie that redeemed it, like the throne room scene. Like there, there were a lot of redeeming qualities, and there were just as many parts that I had an issue with. And so for me, I feel like it, it kind of fits right in the middle. You know, again, not to go into to, to too much detail with all the other ones, but nine I think was was sort of similar, but more on the positive side for me. And then, like I said, Rogue One was just such a pleasant surprise. And then, obviously, you know, Seven, um, I was I had high expectations, and I think they were met. And then Four is obviously Four, and then and then there's Five. So anyway, that's my take on it. Kyle, what do you think? Where do you have them? Where's the so first? I I anytime I rewatch Star Wars, I always think about the list. Like it's <laughs> you know that's I mean that's me. Um, you know, and some of the movies flip every now and again. I personally haven't seen nine since it's been out of theaters. Yeah. Um, I've seen, but I saw nine three times in theaters because I'm a loser. <laughs> so there is that. I, I kind of, I kind of know what's going on in that movie. <sighs> so some things have, I think some things have probably even flipped since we, uh, last talked about this, Chris. Yeah. Um, so I'm just going to rattle them off because I'm pretty sure, like, where they are in my head right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, as the worst, undoubtedly, <laughs> there's no question about it. Um, two, eight, one, solo, nine, three, six, seven, rogue one, four, five. Okay. Well, I remember when we, when we had this conversation last, you had four at at the top. I knew you were going to ask about that. Here I am. Here you are. <laughs> so I'll, I'll just go ahead and say that, um, yeah, I did have four um, ranked at as my favorite. And it's from the pure aspect, or it was from the pure aspect of... Four and five for me are interchangeable. Um, 
you know, there the great parts about four is that as an overall movie telling its story and establishing a universe, it's incredibly successful more so than any movie that has probably established its own universe and, you know, still doing so in a campy way that still engages audiences enough to become a worldwide phenomenon. Um, you know, really, and plus I enjoy, I enjoy watching the movie. Um, you know, it sets a tone. It, it really is, I mean, it's the beginning. I mean, what else can you say? Uh, I, I definitely interchange four and five and five, as I said, it's my favorite right now. And as a movie that took risks and really what eight tried to do is be Empire Strikes Back after rewatching five, after I had watched nine, actually, I'd rewatched the original trilogy again. And I, I really appreciated five more so than I had before. And a lot of that has to do with, if you think about seven, the big enemy is the new, new, new Death Star. And <laughs> like it's, it's just creating a bigger version of the enemy. But the Empire Strikes Back, despite in episode four when they just blow up a planet, it creates an even greater, bigger, villainous, and darker movie without creating an actual physically bigger enemy you know it's i mean that's just one thing i mean i could keep going but um <laughs> that's that's really one of the main reasons why empire's one of my favorite movies it just really especially when you watch it the first time like shit how the fuck are they gonna get out of this you got <laughs> han solo frozen in carbonite leia's freaking out luke's missing a hand for a little bit <laughs> and then it really creates a fantastic cliffhanger while answering questions which is the whole point of a fifth movie of a of the second movie really so that's why i have five where it is and four where it is it but i really think they're interchangeable and it really just depends on how i feel during that part particular time <laughs> sure Good, good stuff, guys. Well, oh, also, I mean, to go back to the the best elements, I think the three of us being musicians would obviously agree that the the soundtrack and the score is huge, not just for these movies, but the overall impact on scores and cinematic music as a whole. You know, oh, for sure. The industry. Oh my God, mm -hmm. yeah. But guys, I I think that about does it. Do we have anything else that we wanted to cover? We could talk about how bad eight is. At least in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I could talk about that forever. I do respect what Ryan Johnson was trying to mm -hmm. do. And I know Ryan Johnson's made some great movies. Yeah. Um, Knives Out was fantastic. I, I loved that movie. I've heard. Um, yeah, I haven't seen it. Adam, have you seen that? I have not, but I've heard very good things. Okay. It's great. I loved it. Um, but, yeah. Episode 8. There's a <laughs> lot of things. There's a lot of things that really bothered me about that movie. And maybe that just signifies that I really don't have a life. But um, <laughs> well, I, I think, honestly, the biggest challenge about this this episode, I think, is covering everything. We could oh, easily do an episode on every movie. 
We should do it. We should do another one where we really get into differing opinions about some of these movies. But I'd be down I, for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I know that. I I think my biggest problem with episode eight is the kind of throwing aside of the principles of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand why he did that and the the direction he was trying to bring the movie. But I just don't think that anything that he did was within Luke's character from mm-hmm. his evolution from episode six. But we don't know what happened in between, so who knows. Right. Um, but from what they've shown me up to this point, like, that's my biggest my biggest problem with that like okay luke skywalker just throws his father's lightsaber right off of the cliff now he's drinking space tit milk like it, it's just it's... by the way i got i gotta not to derail this i i gotta say i love the porgs man i think i think some people very strongly dislike them some people like myself very strongly like them I, that's one of the that's one of the bright spots i took away from that movie. i don't i, I don't I have like a problem a with porgs i don't I like have them. problem with porgs like they're they're not interfering with a plot like an Ewok would. I don't have a problem with them. Um, yeah, I I just overall like they're they're there. That's fine. I'm cool with that. They do their their screechy noise. Like that's fine. <laughs> I'm cool with it. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, Kyle, man, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, check out Kyle on the old Instagram. That's Kyle Murray underscore Sax. Um, I would love to have you back, man. I, I think we. My God, we've been going on for quite a while, but I, I, in some ways, I think we only kind of scratched the surface. So, yeah, come back, man. Absolutely. Would love to come back. This was awesome. Great. All right. Thanks, man. Thank you. All right, everybody. So that's our show. Uh, Chris and I definitely want to thank Kyle for hanging out and talking a lot of Star Wars. And again, I think I, I think we only really scratched the surface on that one. Yeah, um, there's, there's plenty more, and, and maybe we'll oh, yeah. we'll get into that uh, in future episodes. But uh, but for now, yeah, that was uh, that's probably enough to to chew on for a while. Oh yeah, yeah. And if uh, if there's something that we didn't talk about that you want us to talk about in a future episode, whether it's Star Wars or music or anything in general, leave a comment. Um, don't forget to like, share, subscribe to our channel. We're gonna try and put out as many videos as possible. Um, like us and follow us on Instagram, Oddcast underscore Podcast O one, and then you can follow Chris at C dot Rob. O three, and you can follow me ran nine two eight six zero. And again, thank you for uh, Kyle to be able to join us tonight. Um, he, you can follow him at Kyle Murray underscore Sacks. You said it, man. Follow us on Spotify, YouTube, all that, and uh, we'll be back again soon. Yes. Alrighty. Thanks, Adam. All right. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. All right.